Welcome to Good Chat, a podcast series by Two Degrees, looking at the changing face of communication in New Zealand. Last episode, we joined Dr. Anna Martin as she spoke to some wonderful Kiwis about how they're communicating in their relationships. Today, we join Vanessa Baxter, a workplace communication expert, who spends her time helping businesses around the country unlock their communications challenges. In this episode, Vanessa seeks to understand how Kiwis are communicating in their workplaces, what's changing, and where it's all heading. The pace of change in the workplace is accelerating. In amongst all the rapid evolution are very real people. We work with them, we chat with them, and we have small ways of connecting with them every day just to get the job done. Hi, I'm Vanessa Baxter, and today we'll be digging into the findings of a two degree survey of more than 2,000 working New Zealanders to find out how our increasingly wired up offices and workspaces are impacting the way we communicate with our colleagues. Today I'm having a good chat with some fascinating people to find out what's going on under the hood at Kiwi Workplaces. How we're talking, what we're saying and what we're not saying. And just maybe we'll find some ways we can all do a little better. Trade Me has become a household name here in New Zealand over the last 19 years, so I am super keen to learn how they communicate with their staff. I started by having a chat with Annie Brown. She's the Chief People Officer at Trade Me, and I was really keen to get a bit of an insight on the inner workings of one of our biggest tech companies. It's a community of 600 or 615 people. That's an amazing amount of people behind the scenes, actually. So how do you guys all communicate to keep Trade Me, you know, so that you're all on the same page? Is it just simply email communication or do you tend to use uh, kind of group chat type communication, which is pretty hip uh, in America? And I know in the Silicon Valley type startups, that's what they're doing. But in the research that Two Degrees did, Apparently only about 3% of the respondents to that uh, claim to be in environments where work chat is something that they do. What about at TradeMe? What do you use? Um, yeah, so we definitely have work chat as one of our main channels and we use Slack as the uh, tool and everybody's on Slack. And um, Slack is um, not only used for messaging your buddies at work or, um, you know, our teams. We also have... All announcements go out on Slack to the whole company. We do use email still a lot. And uh, the interesting thing is, for me, what I find is like, God, which one do I go to? You know, where do yeah. I do I check my email first or my Slack? And um, one thing you learn quite quickly is you just keep really checking your Slack all through the day. Do you find that a little bit overwhelming to have so much technology? Um, I think it is... The thing is knowing which channel to use for what, and I don't, I don't think, I don't profess to thinking we've got that bang on right at Trade Me yet. Uh, and um, you know, sometimes I'll even get board papers sent to me through Slack, and I'm thinking, oh my god, wow. do I? <laughs> do, yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting to go. Well, what do you use the tool for? And certainly for Slack, it is for us about networking and connecting right across the company and making sure that we are keeping in touch on a daily basis. TradeMe has obviously incorporated Slack into their daily work lives as a way to communicate with staff and also how staff are able to communicate with each other. But I'm super keen to find out whether this was actually open to abuse or misunderstanding and how TradeMe were going to manage it. 
the use of technology is fabulous in being able to connect as a community of workers, but when it comes to conflict, the best way to handle it is short and sharp and in person, like you making a direct phone call to that person rather than trying to um, continue as a group through chat, which can end up kind of leading to this passive aggressive sort of stance and no one quite understands because tone can still be lost, can't it? Oh, totally. It can get really misinterpreted and, you know, oh, God, sometimes one of our values is don't be a dick. And, I saw that. you know, I sometimes, saw that. Brilliant. you know, and, and we'll call that out. And the reason it is a value is that that's all about being transparent and open and honest and not doing dickish things, right? And so when there's a bit of chatter going on that is getting into um, backwards and forwards and it's not going anywhere and it's quite negative, uh, then, you know, it just needs to be called out. And what, what I do see, though, is that peers come in or, you know, their, their work buddies come in and go, hey, don't think this is quite what we should be chatting about on Slack on this. Think you've gone a bit far. You know, people call it. The Good Chat research found 70% of respondents said that face-to-face is their preferred method of communication in the workplace. I was pretty interested to explore this research, taking into consideration how TradeMe has embraced Slack and see whether this still rings true. Do you still get together for brainstorming at yeah. TradeMe or do you find that it's mostly done through uh, technology like Slack still? Uh, no, I would say it's done more through um, gatherings that we have. We have a number of rituals and events that we have that um, really support what goes on Slack. And so Slack is really your everyday, every moment channel, but um, we have fortnightly um, shared lunches, which is about encouraging people to get together and we put lunch on in all three areas of our work and that's to sit around and socialise and network and have lunch together. We have um, once a month, we have an all-company meeting where we all come together and it's a half-hour meeting and it's hosted in either Christchurch, Wellington or... um, Auckland and we all Google into that so the whole company comes to that meeting. Um, We have six monthly unconference and good times parties where the whole company comes to Wellington. So we have a lot of uh, really important rituals that have grown up in the 19 years of Trade Me being around which are all about the networking, knowing what's going on, um, being friends together, uh, connecting, collaborating, talking about the stuff that really matters for us. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. So you're really utilising technology to its advantage. The research was really interesting, Annie, that only 3% of the um, respondents said that they are in a work environment where they're using work chat uh, and that over 70% would prefer face-to-face yeah. if they're having a, having a discussion mm. about something. They actually prefer face-to-face than, than chat. So, yeah, it's actually really interesting in New Zealand, obviously very different to what's happening in the States. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because we're a bit behind the times and we're going to see more of the work chat or whether it's a Kiwi thing that actually, you know, we, we would prefer to be face-to-face. I mean, do you have a thought about that? Well, I, I think also it's thinking about the generations within that. I mean, I, um, mm. I, mean, I look at my 17-year-old, the way he communicates with his mates is is only through um, Messenger or, you know, Snapchat or... So, you know, I don't know. Where's the the art of actually sitting down and having that face-to-face conversation? Over half of Kiwis say they feel obligated to reply to work messages after hours. 
Well, we've seen what's been going on in France where the government has introduced legislation to curb this trend. So I asked Annie how Trade Me managed this. I mean, we don't have a policy as such with that, but certainly what um, the practices at Trade Me is that Slack will go into snooze mode and that you really respect when people are on snooze mode. So ah, okay. that's, that means you, you're not going to um, pester them with lots of Slack messages or, um, you know, phone calls uh, in that essence. And, you know, a lot of, so you, often you'll see also with Slack as people, if they're on vacation, they'll put the little palm tree on, which means they're, you know, they're away. So, you know, you're not going to get a message back. Um, but after our stuff, I mean, it's a, it's really tricky, isn't it? I think that we talk about that as a leadership um, in terms of role modelling that, like, you know, don't be answering stuff at 2am in the morning. Uh, having said that, um, you know, it's it's sort of that responsibility around whether you are going to be looking at emails, you know, take control of that yourself. But I, I do think it's, we've all got our phones in our hands constantly. Two Degrees interviewed more than 2,000 Kiwi workers and asked them what they think are the toughest things to talk about. This will probably resonate with a lot of you listening. For managers, of course, the toughest chat is with their direct reports, and it's usually around performance issues, followed closely by giving negative feedback. Lenny Hyde is a researcher and lecturer at AUT, and she specialises in communications with the workplace. After talking to Annie and hearing how Trade Me have embraced the chat groups and created a culture of inclusiveness... I was really keen to talk to Lenny about how she recommends we go about having those tricky and personal conversations that crop up in all the workplaces, especially now that technology features so strongly in the way we communicate. How is it that managers can feel more confident about talking to staff and also be aware of staff's feelings or people's feelings when they have to have those awkward conversations? Right now we're really going through a, almost a 360 or a 180 where we're going back to how do we, in this technological era, how do we put the human element back into communication? And, and that's what all this comes back to really. What we're forgetting is that when we talk to people, they're people and they want to be talked to. And having this whole notion of um, dealing with personal issues, it's so easy. And we see it in people's personal lives too. You know, when you talk to teenagers, oh, we broke up by text. Yeah. You know, because that was much easier. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's negating the fact that you have a lasting impact on people. The other really complicating factor is that as a society, we're just so different. And that makes it really, really hard. There is not a list that you can say, this is what you do, and that's how we deal with the issue. Another topic the survey identified as a difficult conversation was around personal hygiene, clothing and appearance. I was pretty keen on hearing whether Lenny had had any experience of this too. The very first job where I had somebody working under me, we had a personal hygiene issue and somebody said to me, you've got to go and talk to this person and basically say he stinks. And he did. And he wore a white shirt on a Monday. By the time we got to Friday, it was brown. So it was quite a significant issue. But everybody in this office, it was in England, everybody was white, everybody was of a similar background and it was something that you could be fairly reasonable that it was simply somebody not using deodorant because they didn't, right? But we're now in a society where we have very different cultures and some cultures, for example, it's not acceptable to wear deodorant. Um, some cultures have very different dietary requirements and so that will affect how, how they smell, you, yes, you know. And how you speak to them about it. How you it. speak to them as well. And then we've got the male-female issue and, you've, and then 
we've got harassment thrown in on top of that as well, et cetera, et cetera. So it gets really complicated. And if this complaint, and we'll just call it a complaint about somebody comes in, how has that issue been delivered? Is it an email that somebody sent you? So you're only going off what they've told you. Is there a context around it? Who has um, delivered the issue? Like, is it an external client? And if you don't deal with it, potentially you'll lose that client. Is it a co-worker who might have their own issues and this is just their way of deflecting? So there's so many things you've got to take into account. So there isn't, there isn't an answer that says do one, two, three. There are definitely things you shouldn't do. You know, the whole, like, let's start telling stories about people you worked with that were really smelly and how... And these things happen. And hope that they quietly get it. Yes. Yeah, that's you a little passive-aggressive. It is very passive-aggressive. <laughs> and it doesn't work, you know. So so there's all those issues that are there. And So do you think, like, just from your own gut feeling um, and being around this and talking about it a lot, do you think then that that should be something that should be ideally dealt with face-to-face? -face? Or is it appropriate to use technology to try to alert that person to the issue? I think it all depends on the conversation you've had before the issue arises. So some people would rather get it by technology, like get an email and go, ooh, better go and buy some deodorant and, it, and it's over and done with, while other people would feel really Affronted. threatened, um, intimidated, offended by it all. You might remember when we chatted with Annie earlier, we talked about the research which showed that more than half of Kiwis say they feel obligated to reply to work messages after hours. So I'm really keen to chat to Lenny about this. I'd love to see how big an issue it is in New Zealand. What about the problem when we've got so much communication that it impinges on our 24-7? Yeah, big huge problem and every individual is just as guilty as an organisation of not managing this well. Um, so a lot of organisations have got probably unwritten policies about how they expect people to deal with their, um, with their time outside of working hours. Um, emails, um, we have a policy where we shouldn't be answering emails after hours or in the weekend. That's all wonderful, but if you know you've got a group of students, for example, or, or approaching a deadline with a client, um, you want to be available to help them, so then I'm making a choice to give up some of my personal time to be involved. Um, one of the things I've personally done is I no, no longer have my email notification show up on my front screen because that's one way that I can kind of control, you know, I can, have, I can access my emails once or twice a day, but the rest of the weekend I don't have to look at it. So it doesn't beep at you every time you get an email? Yeah. Because do you find if it does beep at you... Oh, you've got to deal with it. You that can't you're ignore so alert, it. You can't actually yeah. focus on what you're doing. Yeah. So physiologically, that makes it creates a change. It does. And, and that's the problem. The beautiful thing about technology is we're available 24-7. The dreadful thing about technology is we're available 24-7. You know, and it's how you manage those expectations. It's all wonderful to you, for you to say to somebody, I'm not going to answer my phone in the weekend, so don't bother contacting me. But then if they do contact you and you do deal with the issue, all you're telling them is I will. I asked Lenny to give us one final piece of advice around improving communication in the workplace. Don't let technology take over. Use it to enhance what you're doing, but don't rely on technology to do it all for you. The Two Degrees Good Chat research also found that across the board, Kiwi managers are doing a great job of communicating with their staff. 
Actually, two-thirds of workers say they chat with their manager about the right amount. So, hey, we must be doing something right. There is, however, a pretty large group, just under a fifth, who say they don't chat with their managers enough. My final chat is with Mike Pollock, New Zealand Managing Director of RICO. It's an international technology company. They have staff located all over the country and from diverse backgrounds. Many don't even come into head office if they're on the road. I was keen to learn how this international company managed communication and technology, especially if it was different to the way Annie explained that TradeMe communicate with their staff. I was really interested to hear from Mike whether technology had actually replaced face-to-face time with his employees at Rico. My view certainly is you can digitally get a reasonable distance down the path before you come to the need for a face-to-face meeting. And I think then what we're looking for is when you are sitting across from someone else to discuss a particular issue, that time becomes a lot more valuable because you've gone through certain processes that can be automated um, before you actually sit down and say, we've got this far, we're now together, we're talking about this opportunity to better serve our customers or our staff or whatever it happens to be, um, you'll get better productivity. And when I get called to a meeting, my sense will be this is going to be a productive meeting because technology is taking care of a lot of the groundwork and we can now get down to the nitty gritty of strategy. What are we going to change, if anything? So um, I think what happens is it's not so much less face-to-face time, although that might be the case, but more valuable face-to-face time making key decisions, which ultimately is what we're all about. Mm. Would that would that also be the situation when it's the gritty conversations around, you know, something that is not so pleasant to talk about, someone's poor work performance or discussions around effectiveness in a team? You know, would you start with, with the technology side of things, emails or, you know, messages that way and then have the eventual face-to-face? Like, because that's always the trick, isn't it, with the new technology? How do you get to the employee who needs help, mentoring, guidance, maybe, you know, um, coaching to, to be a better employee? How do you do all of that? So innovation, obviously, is, is, is focusing very much on improving the organisation, whatever organisation you happen to be in. The, the, we're now leading with that question more towards the, the well-being and, and the state of mind of employees, and that is very important. And at RICO, we run a programme called Vibe, it's an anonymous facility where digitally you can load questions and ask people's answers. Um, they can choose to put their name and position or they can choose not to. It really doesn't worry us. What is important is that if you get a sense that a particular division or department or even people are struggling with something, you can post specific questions around that target area and get a sense of is there an issue And is it something we need to address before you actually sit down with someone and say, now, listen, Mary or Peter, we think we've got a problem in this area. I want to talk to you about it. Once again, technology can allow you to um, cut through a lot of the elementary questioning. So when you do sit down with someone, once again, it's, it's valuable input. We've already heard from Annie and Lenny about answering emails outside of office hours. Now I'd really like to hear Mike's thoughts on this. I think there's also a temptation, isn't there? You hear the little beep, 
you know, and emails come through, you feel the need to respond immediately. It's arrived and you should respond. And so it's very tempting to just quickly type a reply and send it, and then it's taken care of and you feel good. But actually, maybe you should have read it, thought about it, slept on it, maybe responded the next day. But you sort of almost feel guilty. Like yes, you're pausing your yes, response. Yes. Um, technology gives you the ability to respond absolutely immediately. And I'm flabbergasted often how quickly people will respond to me. And, um, and, if, and if we go back 10 years to before we had this instantaneous life that we all now live virtually, um, it took me a long time, but I, I did learn that often if rather than making a decision at five or six o'clock at night, if I went home, slept and it came back in the morning, invariably the decision's different because you've had time to think about it, dwell on it, maybe look at it from a different angle. Um, and that's a good thing, certainly for me over the years. It, 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 I think it's helped me make better decisions. Technology just encourages you to bing, respond, bing, respond. Mm. And that's not, again, not necessarily uh, advantageous. So, mm. again, something that we all need to be managing, accepting that mm, maybe a little bit of time will vary our response to, to benefit everyone, hopefully, in that particular discussion. We've heard from Annie at TradeMe and Mike at Rico two highly connected New Zealand businesses. They're both at the forefront of integrating new communication tools into their workplaces. We've also heard from Lenny, whose life's work has involved understanding more deeply how we interact with each other in our places of work and what we could actually do differently. If I could pull together the most important threads from each of these conversations and package them up, I reckon we would have this. Technology is a tool. It can work for us or it can work against us. It's really what we do with it that matters. And it's this shared culture of the organisation that makes any of our communication effective. So I guess before you start talking about whether you're going to suddenly get to use Slack or Yammer in your business, whether you're going to suddenly change to hot desks or work in scrums, it would pay to have a really good chat about what positive, constructive communication in your workplace actually looks like. Because once you know the conversation you want to have, how to have it becomes much, much simpler. My name is Vanessa Baxter. Thank you for taking this journey with me. You've been listening to the second episode in the Two Degrees Good Chat podcast series. Look out for the third podcast on communication in our communities, where we'll be exploring how our communities are evolving and how we're learning new ways of talking to each other.